0: Hello and welcome to 21st Century Vitalism, a podcast asking the question, what does it take to be fully alive in the 21st century? I'm your host, Brett Kane. I'm a licensed massage therapist and mindfulness meditation teacher, and I'm here to curate a host of guests that will help me answer just such a question. Today's conversation is on the nature of having heroes, managing success as a psychology, and the proper role of the musician in a concert setting. In order to help me explore this, I'll be joined by the guitar player and singer of Papadosio, Anthony Thogmartin. So, uh, yeah, this is a lot of fun for me as a fan of the band for the past decade. Having seen them play somewhere around 70 times throughout the years, I've found countless inspiration in their sounds, and I've honestly met some of my absolute favorite humans by attending their events. Uh, for the uninitiated, Papadocio is a progressive live Tronica band that weaves between countless genres intertwining sounds of nature with uplifting messages and also warnings of caution to how we navigate the digital age. Shining light on both the positive and negative aspects of being a human in this century, Papadocio cemented themselves as a festival mainstay as they cover the country playing over 150 shows a year. Some of these shows are at legendary venues such as Red Rocks Amphitheater, the Electric Forest Festival, the Caverns in Tennessee, and just about every major city in the country. They really do provide a wonderful experience and have certainly beyond met the value of my money over the years. Uh, outside of Papadosio, Anthony has gone on to start a solo project, Earthcry, which just recently saw the final release of its episodic concept album slash visual storytelling piece called Identity Mitosis, which is the home of the track you just heard in the intro. On top of all the dedicated work on music directly, Anthony also runs the Seed to Stage YouTube channel, which provides consistent tutorials for the music production software Ableton, which is actually what I edit this show on. Seed to Stage also has an academy that gathers once a year for a week-long intensive on all things music production. If you're a budding musician or are interested in trying it out, head on over to his channel for some really, really concise and wonderful tutorials. I, I don't want to blow smoke up his butt, but he is a really good teacher, I think, if he wasn't a musician, first and foremost, that just feels like a natural uh, step for him to be taking. So yeah, there you have it. That's today's episode. This was a lot of fun for me to sit down and pick his brain on some of the burning questions I had both as a fan as fellow and fellow explorer for what it takes to find balance in this crazy time we live in. Uh, this conversation definitely opens up beyond the dynamic of his work through music to some of the larger implications of what's going to take to surf these challenging waters that we have ahead of us. There's really a lot to offer on here for both artists and as well as good-hearted change makers. So if you really like what you hear and you want to stay in touch with Anthony's platform, follow his socials over at the Papadocio, Earthcry, or Seed Stage. Um they're on all major major streaming platforms as well as YouTube. I really highly suggest starting with uh Papadocio's newest album, Microdocio, which is a concept album dedicated towards mushrooms. Uh, It's really a lot of fun. Every track is dedicated towards a different mushroom, and it really feels like they spent some time to try and distill the essence of that being into a track. It kind of has a lot of 8-bit sounds. There's no vocals on that specific album. Uh, If you do want vocals, uh, their newest one with vocals was Content Coma, which is all about, I mean, content coma. Um, It really is kind of a forbearing kind of album but there's a lot of cool dance tracks there's a lot of sweet songs but the overall message is like yo we have to find balance with the technology that we're interacting with and i think that that's really what makes papadocio such a potent force in this day and age is they're always speaking to what's currently happening um and you know there's definitely a flair for some of the more uplifting aspects but you know they're not afraid to call it like it is um, yeah, so anybody who knows me knows that you know I've been following them for a while. So yeah, this was this is just a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so I don't want to take up too much time because this is a meaty episode. We get we cover a lot of different topics here. So if you want to support this show, head on over to Apple Podcast and give us a pleasant review. Uh, it really does help. That's one of the key metrics uh, that people will end up looking at when they're considering joining a podcast uh, for a conversation. Uh, if you want to subscribe, do it over at YouTube. Uh, that's how you can stay as up to date with the content there's no algorithm you get the, the episode as soon as it releases and sometimes facebook instagram their algorithms are slated against creators they're trying to make us pay for uh, more exposure which yeah that's a part of the game i get it but if you the audience wants to really stay plugged in and bypass all that youtube's where to go but I really would also support or like the support uh, over at Facebook and Instagram. So, whatever channel you want to get plugged in at, please do shoot me an email over at 21stcenturyvitalism at gmail.com. If you or you someone you know would be a good fit for the show. Also, if you want mindfulness meditation uh, teaching, I do that virtually as well. I have a few clients right now. Um, so yeah reach out through that email if you're in the west michigan area and you're looking for body work also that email will do and i can get you in the books so all right my friends as always i hope this finds you well and i hope you enjoy the show without further ado open your hearts drink some tea do some stretches and welcome anthony thogmart anthony Thogmartin, hello and welcome to 21st century vitalism how are you on this fine evening
1: all right thanks for having me yeah yeah so
0: i want to start off by just saying a happy belated birthday i did see on the book of faces that uh it was another turn around the sun for Mm -hmm. you so big ups thanks um and also uh happy anniversary to papadocio for 15 years
1: (laughs) yeah yeah crazy I can't believe it's been this long. Yeah.
0: How does it, how does it feel to be kind of like standing where you're at, like looking at the past 15 years and like how far you guys have come and like, you know, looking ahead of where you're going, like, how are you feeling about it all?
1: It's crazy. I, you know, I think that you, you go through something like this and you end up out on the other side and in the, initially you're like, man, we don't have any like crazy stories to tell or, or did we really accomplish anything or... And then you're on this side and you're like, oh my God, like we could write, like we could write thousands of books on like the insane stuff we've been through. And like, uh, you know, it, it's crazy, like how much can happen in 15 years and how we're completely different people. I mean, as far as the, as the body goes, we're comprised of two different sets of completely different sets of cells at this point, And we're completely different people. And it's really funny to tour under a name of something you came up with when you were 21 or what, maybe even, yeah, I think 22 or something. You know, if you think about that that way, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, but I don't know how to describe what it feels like to be, like, we're so different. I think that's the main, that's the word I want to focus on is that I feel, I feel different in so many ways but like the cool thing about the art i guess that we made and the art that we continue to make is that it still feels right playing it so you know Mm -hmm. that's good
0: (laughs) yeah i i I, what i really like about your guys platform is that like everything that you've made in the past is somehow it's still relevant to today and every time we hear it like as fans in the audience like you're still evolving each of these tracks. Like each of these tracks is kind of like they have their own life cycle, which I just find to be really interesting. And you see them mature and age and then like take on different characteristics. And I'm glad that you pointed out like the idea that you guys feel different because that was something I actually wanted to talk about was like the changes your sound has gone through over the years has been, honestly, I think what keeps the fan base so uh, plugged into what you're doing. You know, you have a very comfortable group uh following and i think a big part of that is like the constant innovation you know so what exactly how do you find that inspiration to like respect the sound that brought people but to also like push into the new boundaries and like feel comfortable in doing that and not like alienate people i don't know
1: i hope we have done that i don't know if we have successfully though i think that we had uh put out music that people didn't really at least like the the, the type of person that wants to have the show environment be specifically a means to celebrate life and a means to disconnect from their problems and stuff like that. I think that some of our records were like that, but then some other ones like, you know, like Content Coma was pretty like, it's it was like pretty much speaking directly to the issue, the big, the big elephant in the room, you know what I mean? Uh, and some of those songs are a bit... Sad. (laughs) You know, and then, uh, um, but then I think that people enjoy what I enjoy. I want to make art that I enjoy watching and listening to. And so, what I enjoy when I'm seeing someone live, especially, is authenticity. You know, what I want to see is people being true to what they're experiencing. And I think that we, I think that artists, take especially recently in my experience take the idea of being a showman or a show person or somebody that is what a great performer you know what i mean that's that's what we say when 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 we see them but i what i want to have happen is i want these spontaneous like representations of what the person is actually going through and i've been to shows Mm -hmm. where it looks like the artist is like forcing their way through smiling Mm. and being on the other side of this like you see artists that are very popular that we've met even in the green room just like just like sitting there on their phone just like (laughs) and then they go out on stage and they're just like fist pumping like jumping doing like the one knee up like leg straight dance like all these different things and you're just like okay you're really good at like faking it you know what i mean but what is like happening for you like what what is really going on And then you see other artists that like, they're just, they carry everything they have and they plop it on stage and they just, you know, and they give it to you, even if it, and and then like through that, there's this thing I like to call stage health, where when you get on stage, you feel 15% better for no real good reason. Um, And it works. Stage health is awesome. But like, you see like the stage heal them and you watch through the, through their show, them feel better. And then they walk off stage and like, yeah, you know. Things are all right. And I witness I witness it even in my own band and in my own self. And uh that's the art that I want to see. You know, people get real mad at like artists like Maynard James Keenan, who is supposedly, you know, because people called him a front man so much, and I think because the guy's navigating so much, um, he tends to like hide on stage. Like legit. Yeah, because yeah. you know what, that's how I feel. And and I mean, one of my favorite yeah. artists, um, Les Claypool, if you've ever seen I mean, you only need to go to one Primus show or listen to one live Primus show to hear that this guy does not hold anything. There's no part of him that isn't exposed to the audience. And, like, so, like, you know, if someone, like, makes him mad, he'll just stop the music and just, like, talk to him for a long time. Like, an uncomfortably long (laughs) time. And, like... I think that there's a respect you owe the crowd. You owe the crowd something because they 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 gave energy to be there. They traveled, they spent money, they did all this stuff. But at the same time, you also owe your authenticity to them. You owe them like more than just this plastic thing because I can open my phone and look at plastic. I can look at plastic all day. Yeah. But when we're together in this you know, wonderful place of performance and expression, they're expressing, we're expressing. That's so important. So, you know, why stop at the live show? Why stop there? Why not, like, put that into a record? And so, yeah, some of our music recently, like, we've been doing all these concept albums, and I personally could do concept albums for the rest of my life. Do do the fans really want us to keep doing that? I don't know. I think that the last album, this microdocio thing, people really enjoyed because it was, like, a lighthearted concept. It was like a, hey, let's dedicate some songs to mushrooms. Like, you know, how, how much more fun could that be? You know what I mean? Like, it uh i think that we could go any direction now and i feel super supported by the fan base and so i want to speak to that and uh i don't know i'm happy to to have an audience that like they'll be like oh you're doing this now okay oh you're doing that okay you know that that's great i don't think that it works in the mainstream though it definitely doesn't because like we for a while there could have <laughs> you 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 saw we were starting to fill out uh you know giant theaters and i think we came out with a record that people like scratch their heads at and uh, that's just the nature of like what happens and so i think that through it all i'm pretty stoked at where we're at cuz we have the we have maximum freedom we don't have to be this or that we can play a whole show and only sing three songs you know that doesn't work in the, that doesn't work for stadium sized bands you can't do that like there's the, like, show me one example of a stadium sized band like a giant stadium sized band that can fill the entire thing up and do any set other than maybe fish you know what i mean like you just it just just doesn't work that way and and our music is like pretty different at this point maybe not in the beginning but pretty different at this point from that and i couldn't be more happy about that because there's a there's a whole nother level of like you know difficulty that can come with being that big and you watch it all over the place you watch any documentary on any band you know like in some ways, like we couldn't be more thankful. Now we have, we still get to play Red Rocks. You know, it's, it's. it's <laughs> I don't know. I, I talked a lot, so <laughs> there's a lot to say with that. You no, know? I
0: mean, I think, you honestly, you, you were kind of answering questions that I was like planning on bringing up. Um, I really do think that you guys have like the best size audience because it does allow you that creative freedom to really explore what you want to do but you know that you're going to be supported in it and I I think that a lot of people when they get into the music industry they're they want to shoot for the moon and they want to be like the next big thing but we're starting to see especially this last year some of the people who are at the top are struggling with some very real um, like kind of dark things that go on so I almost feel like at a certain point, like, a lot of people who get to that space, like, it's just so much pressure and so much energy on their shoulders that they feel like they have to keep showing up, and they have to, like, keep showing up and, like, doing, like, the fist-bumping thing, and, you know, I think that that kind of comes out of a good heart, you know, like, they want to be able to provide the experience that their fans expect of them, but I think, like, it doesn't really provide a space for them to like sustainably do it in a way, you know? Like you have to have a container for you to consistently show up, take care of yourself. And like that really is the most important aspect, I think, in going forward post-COVID is like touring musicians. Now that you all have had a moment to kind of like root down a little bit for a year, you know, like what, do you, you know, it offers an opportunity like, well, what do we want to do going forward? How do we better take care of ourselves? Um, again, I think like the creative freedom I think that that is like a huge part of that. If you're not like honoring honoring your authentic expression, then you know you're you're gonna burn out, you know. So yeah, and I I think that that's honestly what keeps you guys so fresh, you know. And it's something that I noticed. quite a few years ago actually it was uh extras in a movie when that album came out i saw i don't want to say it was like a rift in the fan base but there were people like oh man docio doesn't jam anymore <laughs> like they're doing this they're doing that and like everybody had a lot of opinions but after that water kind of settled you know i think people like honestly it's like one of my favorite albums from you guys you know and it it, it really i think broke the mold for what you guys were capable of and i think you guys have still been kind of like riding that and kind of taken it to just totally new areas it was was like
1: a necessary Um, step to establish some sort of some sort of like autonomy autonomy in terms of like what we were allowed or not allowed to do and we had to cut out some of the people that wouldn't allow us to just authentically express ourselves like i really do think that to reiterate like i really do think that you do a good service to people to allow them to escape what their life is normally like and go into a place of joy, you know? Like, I th- I really do think that it's hard. Like, life is, life is not as fluffy as we would represent it. And if, like, you got into anyone's personal life, going to a concert most of the time means, hey, I'm actually going to have this experience, you know? Um, and there's a certain type of... There's, I think the maximum need for musicians is there. Like the maximum need for the the maximum reason, the most amount of people in the world need musicians to provide them with an escape. And I think that that's a really important role to fill. I don't want to fill that role. I don't want, I don't personally feel inspired to fill that role. I feel a lot more inspired to authentically just do what it is that night that and and I mean, we don't write our, set, I mean, a lot of the times we don't write our set list. Most of the time we don't write our set list, especially if we're on tour until we're in the room and like smelling it and seeing it and feeling it out. It's like that has been what kept our band able to play 150, 200 shows a year because it, every show was new. And if we didn't do that, I think I would have just been like, yeah, <laughs> I'm out. You know what I mean? Like a long time ago, because it would be boring and Sameness, but I don't want to sit here and like, hey, check me out. I'm authentic, but like, you know what I mean? I also think that there are a lot of pitfalls, and I totally understand it. If someone were to come see us and who knows, fill in the blank city, and we had an off night, like, their opinions of us are probably right. We probably blew it that night, (laughs) you know what I mean? Trying to stick to this like ridiculous, like uh, uh, mold, you know what I mean? That we are, or lack of a mold, I guess you could say. For like what we are. So I think that at the, at the very same time, it might sound like, Oh, well, wow, that's really cool. But really in, in reality, trying to do that night after night, you're gonna have real bad nights. and <laughs> so on at real big gigs too. Yeah. Uh, you know. But then yeah. you're also gonna have those nights where everything just clicks and it's like, man, like that's what it's all about, really.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, with like projects like you have, I think it really does benefit to like stay plugged in, you know, and I always encourage people. I was, um, you know, a lot of my friends kind of knew me. I was like, yo, you should just like give Dose another chance. Yo, you should give him another chance. Like there's like (laughs) years of that. And they're just like, I I don't know, man, like I've listened a bit, you know, I'm like, no, but like, really, you got to like grow with them. And they're like, okay, you know, I've converted a few people. But um, yeah, and I think there's something about that, that like, if you really do like, value the experience you know you also have to like value the musicians that are on the stage too and like trust that like everybody's showing up to the best capacity that they can be and some days that that does kind of fluctuate you know and i mean i've never really i've yeah i've seen you guys more than i can count you know and from my experience have had maybe like two shows where i was like oh yeah that that was like a little different <laughs> but it was never like You know, I I was always like super satisfied with what happened. You're allowed not to be satisfied.
1: That's fine. It's fine to go to a show and be like, ugh. You know what I mean? Like, I've definitely been there. Um, That's okay. You know, like, I've, I I honestly think that bands that can do it every single night maybe go home being like, ugh. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. But I, I also should say that I've seen bands that consistently can. Uh, thievery corporation man talk about good vibes talk about like going to a show and feeling lifted by the time you leave like i can only hope that the shows that we do that have that intention or like that feel that way or that that's just how it played out i can only hope that i've given uh my my all to that and that our act the band has like given people like this uplifting feeling like that I felt from going to a thievery corporation show. I don't really even like the music that much. I don't like play it at home or anything like that, but the vibe I'll always go see them because you just get lifted up. You just, you feel better and like they fill that role so well. And I don't know if they like get off stage and they're like, I don't, I have no idea, but they do a great job. And if, if they're acting, it's a great act. (laughs)
0: They're honestly one of the few that, like, whenever they're around... You can't not go. Like, that's the show. Yeah. Um, And I I think, honestly, like, when I say, like, I'm really not trying to, like, bullshit you by saying that, like, I have never left unsatisfied. And I do think a big part of that, and it's something I want to touch up on, is, like, when I think of Papadocio, I think of, like, three things. It's, like, the guys on stage, the music, and then the community. Mm. And, like, I, I don't know where, like most of my definition of what papadocio is like i don't know if it's more in the music or the community like the community is such a big part of it that the space that everybody is creating you know it's just such like a close-knit family feeling thing maybe it's just the midwest um, like the michigan crew i know loves you you guys a lot um so yeah i mean what what, what are your thoughts on just like the nature like Y'all have a really loving community. It's really unique from all the different groups that I've been in, you know? I think that... I I don't know. How how do you cultivate that? How do you maintain that?
1: I think that the, the truth is that art scenes are not made by the artists. I think that art scenes in general, all art scenes, doesn't matter if it's music or whatever, all art scenes are created by everyone involved. And so you know, I, the artist might be the translator of the idea, but the idea, the reason that people resonate with something is because they are made of the same stuff that the art is, right? I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I, no, no, <laughs> okay. this is perfect. well, Yeah. I, a lot of these, like I, I oscillate around this idea a lot and just yet again was talking to Rocky Marcus about this, but that like the idea of, what makes a piece of art um is so much baked into people that we say that art creates culture but i would almost say that people both create culture and art and both of those are just kind of expressions of what people are vibing to and so the people that go to see a specific artist or like a specific piece of art are made of the stuff that made the art. And because they're, they're that, they, they're like, man, I feel that. I feel that. I feel that deep in my heart. Like I feel that way. And so it doesn't stop or start with the music. It doesn't stop or start with like the friendships that are made. It's all the same thing. It's all, uh, you know, I, I hate to sound super cliche, but it's all like resonance, you know, it's like, it's like puzzle pieces that fit perfectly together. Um, so I think that, what what the easiest thing to say is that we unite under seeing a Papadocio show and it's all about the music or the show. I think that's the easiest thing to say, but the, maybe the more accurate thing to say is that we all are feeling this certain way. And one time I remember I was talking to Sam Brouse about this, like backstage. And I just remember just being like, we both kind of came to the conclusion that we really enjoyed giving people that feel different about stuff a place to hang out that feels right and authentic you know and like that emotion is probably the same thing that people in the crowd feel they're like oh man I want my friend that I know would like this music to come here because I want them to experience the the what I feel right now and that that I feel safe being weird I feel safe being relating to these other people uh and like that it's it's the people, it's the humans, it's the, it's, it's, that is what is creating all of this. And, and people, you know, the weird strange person in the corner of the room is just as responsible for what's occurring as the musicians on stage. I really want to like try very hard to, if there was a message I wanted to deliver in my own life, it would be that like, it's not all about me or the musicians. It's about, Mm. uh, it's about people creating creating stuff and it's not even about culture because i mean people would say well you're talking about culture i'm really not culture is like a, it's an output of this it's not what created it like what creates this stuff is a general like resonance in emotion and experience that certain people have together i would say the same thing about like something hilarious like wwf or gathering of the juggalos like their culture is not what caused all that to happen it's that they all felt the same way you know? And like, so in the same way, you know, let's just, let's just, let's just call it what it is, you know, people having resonance around ideas and around expression. Whoa. You know I
0: mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel really similarly to that, you know, like Papadosi is kind of a state of being. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, I'm not trying to for like some puff people, you up, but for like, a small you know, like that's yeah, that space is, like, something that we've felt within our hearts and we knew was, like, possible, whether it's, like, the tones or the way we're interacting with everybody. We're all kind of, like, having this group hallucination of just, like, what it is to be at one of these shows. So what do you feel like your role is in particular? Do you feel like a steward of this? Do you feel like the generator of this? Do you feel like you're a participant watching it happen, like, through you? Or what would you say, like, your stance is?
1: I think I'm, like... Just like any musician, I think I'm just like a, like if there was a language that is being spoken all the time, that any artist is just a good translator of that language, Mm -hmm. that we don't own these ideas. It's, that's why it's so funny. Like this whole thing is so ridiculous. That's why I don't think, that's why I, man, this might be a controversial idea, but that's why I think that the intellectual property problem is always going to be a problem. I don't think that there's no solving this. And I think it's because we know somewhere deep down inside of us that we don't own these ideas. That these ideas are 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 commonplace in all humans. And that every human is an artist. And that every human is a musician. And every human is a is a translator of these ideas. I just happen to practice doing the same thing over and over and over and over again obsessively for such a long time that people tend to like the way that I translate this language that's being spoken that we can all hear and how good you get at translating it is kind of what determines or what makes you a musician or what makes you a painter or what makes you a whatever. It's not, so what is my role? Um, My role is to try to have less of a, (laughs) I don't know, like is to try to have less of me in it. You know, like I, I want, to give myself to what those ideas that are floating around are. And the more of me I try to put in the way of that, the less I'm gonna hear those golden ideas. I mean, every song that anyone ever cared about that we wrote, it just happened. It was like, oh, hey, that's cool. I wonder what it would, I mean, I like, I remember like get an uh, an idea in my head and I go, (whistles) play on on the keyboard, try to find those notes that I just heard in my head. And it's like, it's just, it's a gift. It's like coming from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's like, so trying to get out of the way, trying to whistle it instantly into my cell phone if I'm not at home so that I don't lose that thing. Like it's, it's okay. So maybe, maybe it's part of like me or maybe it's like something that I'm hearing and it's just my brain doing whatever it is. But for me to put myself in the way of that is also to rob this thing we're talking about, this crowd, this like vibe it's to rob them of that the purity of like that original idea, and so any really big hit song has always just kind of happened to me instead of me sitting down. Oh yeah, here we go. I'm gonna write a song because I'm awesome. I'm gonna write this song, Anthony. Yeah, Anthony with the song. <laughs> it's like what? No, yeah, yeah. It's really not how it goes.
0: So do you find it to be a little sticky? Because I know like a lot of people, you know, like they come up in the in in the scene, and I feel like you in particular kind of got a lot of the the meme flack. Like people kind of associate like specific people as like the the soul creator like that came from them i resonated with that idea and they generated it so they must be you know like this higher being you know i i feel like we see that a lot in like different scenes people kind of like idolize certain people um do you, do you find that like some people in the scene maybe do that with you do you feel that kind of energetic uh tendency from certain folks and like how how would you like navigate something like that you know like stardom I guess, quasi-star, whatever you want to label that. Like, How do you deal with other people's perceptions of you when they think that you are something more than what you actually are?
1: I think that if you asked me earlier in this whole thing, I would have probably answered differently. But now I just find that I don't... I think this is just how everyone's going to be. I just find that I don't really care as much about being... Being that under the spotlight, you know, um, and I listen to interviews from myself, like from back in the day and it makes me chuckle. I think that anyone listens to anything that they said, you know, a decade ago, it'll make them chuckle. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, yeah. like whoever's listening right now and like thinking that you wouldn't, yeah, just, just challenge yourself to think about something you may have said, look at your own Facebook And see what you wrote 10 years ago and tell me if you (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, so, so I do feel different and I, I don't, I don't want to be, I want people to celebrate what we are. You know, I want people to celebrate that music is a, it's like an inherent right. And art is an inherent right to humanity. And it's, it's specific to us. Something, something that really changed my life, I think maybe one of the biggest catalysts in my life is my senior project was I wanted to research how animals hear music and what the the similarities were between people and animals. And I learned all this stuff, like that dogs recognize rhythm, but they don't recognize notes the same way we do because we don't sing in their range and their the structure of their ear doesn't you know, it doesn't parse notes the way that our ear does. And then birds are different. They understand actual musical intervals, um, but rhythm isn't as important to them as the intervals are. So, like, mm-hmm. that's like a certain bird that always knows that the difference between those two notes, that's, you know, there's there's a certain amount of intervals between those notes, and the bird can recognize that, but the dog can't. And we're the whole package in that we can recognize rhythm And we can recognize the intervals and notes. And so when we're making all this music, we want to be like, man, this bird is just jamming with me, you know what I mean? But the bird is not jamming with you. The bird does not care. The rhythm that you're doing, it doesn't matter. The intervals maybe matter, but only in the the range that it's trained to hear. And so this is a very human experience, like what we're doing when we're playing music and people are resonating with it is so very human that it's almost like alien. It's almost like this is just something we're doing. And so we we want to say that I can, you know, like I can christen out in the forest and like the entire forest will grow as I play my flute and dance around. Sure. Maybe, maybe on some level, but, but what to really dial this in, like this is humans conveying emotion and conveying meaning to each other in this, fantastic way so what I really want people to do instead of like to lift up any artist and there's all these amazing artists that are coming out now like if you want them to continue to make art then encourage don't encourage them to pay attention to themselves you know what I mean and like Mm. what they're wearing or like how they're holding themselves or if they have the right PR person to tell them how to relate to people just encourage them to keep making music because that's what yeah. it's all about it's yeah. about what they make not what they are and so it's always felt unnatural for someone to be like dude like it's so happens at every show you know someone will be like dude like you guys like changed my life like after the show and you're sitting there thinking like yeah i also hit like four wrong notes like what was wrong with me you know what i mean like yeah. you always are the worst yeah. your own worst critic but there's always somebody so it's like it's funny to Again, trying to get like the 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 meat sack human element out of the way is such a focus for me. Like I don't want, I don't care. I, like I, I don't know. I st- I'm apparently tight jeans aren't a thing now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And my entire closet is full of them. So like I just it, it, I don't care. Like I, I don't want some manager's gonna yeah. call me and be like, hey, you can't wear tight jeans anymore. I, I don't I don't care. Sorry. I just I just yeah. I guess I'm like old now. I I don't want to focus on this meaningless shit. I want to focus on, like, music. And, like, I want to focus on, does the lyrical content deliver exactly the emotion that I heard in my head one day? Like, does it actually, is it authentic? Like, I want, is, you know, if, if someone wants to, like, talk to me after the show, let's talk about the music. Let's talk about, like, if, I, if if you want me to get excited, let's talk about, like, what happened in the music, what happened in the show, or what's happening for you. Are are you an artist? What are you doing artistically? Like, those are the things that excite me. And I think that, you know, the, the idea maybe that like, I think that some people really enjoy praise. Um, I've never taken it well. I always get awkward and people like, wow, man, you really, really could guess. I never know what to say to that. Like, thank you. I usually just say thank you. And like, for a while, people made fun of me because I was saying like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because it all, I think it all started for me. Just like someone will say that to me after the show. I'm like, "Thank thank you. Thank you. I don't, I don't know what to say you know what i mean like yeah just yeah can we you know what what else is there maybe that sounds old and impatient of me but that's that's i don't know that's how Mm -hmm. i feel
0: (laughs) yeah Well, I think a lot of that, this might be uh, maybe a little bit nebulous, but I think a lot of people are in dire need of, like, role models. And I, I think we typically do look to the people that, like, give us inspiration or have cultivated spaces of inspiration. I just don't think we have, like, a very good shared, like, mythology to really subscribe to. So, like, this generation coming up, like, we really just don't have a lot of, like, potent characters to model after that's like kind of an innate human tendency is to kind of like emulate the the character archetypes that you kind of uh perceive so when you go to a show and then you have somebody who's singing words that resonate with something that's already happening within you you make this connection where you kind of like outsource your identity onto them so then you know like you know you sing like find your cloud and like like, whoa i really like that's exactly how i feel like they have gone through exactly what I've gone through. So like they clearly like them, you know, they, they hyper fixate rather than see that the, the find your cloud is something that they're experiencing internally, Hmm. you know? So I I think a lot of it kind of just like has to come down to like, competency and how to manage the internal transformations people are going through or just like the things so it's just a lot easier to like outsource that and externalize onto other people and kind of like build them up rather than just like really build themselves up you know because they're the ones having the experience the really powerful you know y'all are creating the music but it's like the way that it hits you and heals you it's like you're the one doing the healing you know but I, i just don't think we have a lot of like language around that well i think i
1: really like that's a fantastic way to put that and i i totally resonate with that i was raised um in a christian tradition um and because of that i got to witness kind of firsthand basically like that falling apart and how you know there are definitely, a, in, in, any, in any scene, in any country, in any group of people, there are amazing people and there are horrible people. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter, you know, it does not matter whatsoever what people organize under. There are going to be amazing people and idiots in every scene. But one thing you can always be sure mm-hmm. of is that the people that rise to power, when power is involved, there's going to be pretty much, for the most part, worse than better most of the time, because humans don't really do well with having influence or, you know, power over something. So anyway, getting back to my own, my own experience is that I actually did have some really great role models early in my life. And, but because this whole like situation, this organized religion situation is melting down so badly, uh, it's crazy to watch like what's, what's occurring. Like, I find myself in circles of people where, you know, there are some people that are appropriating like, for example, uh, you know, Native American traditions where they're honoring the directions. Right. That's always a huge thing in the scene right now. And then there are other people that are that are very into, uh, you know, lots of lots of Hindu words. You know what I mean? And they're, they're saying those words. And and you see all these white kids, they're just reaching for something. They're, they're trying to find a tradition because I think that the truth is that we really don't have uh, the elder guide, you know, the the guides. And the replacement that a lot of people are finding right now is in therapy. And I think that's really important. I think that's that's really big. But because we kind of, like, realized how badly executed the faiths, the monotheistic faiths have have been, you know, carried out... That like there's all this ridiculous expression in in white culture, you know, like the like uh Scientology, you know, then this whole like Mormon blow up thing apparently that's happening now that everyone's like uh, talking about. There's some show on Netflix about that. And it's just like I think that when you when you really come down to it, that yeah, I think people really are looking for some sort of like you know guiding thing to like you know like person to attach themselves to and say like. Yeah, I want to follow that person, but like, I just want to be like, you know, if anyone wants to do that with me, I just want to say like, hold on, hold on, not me. A and B, go watch uh, what was that uh, Monty Python movie, Life of Brian, when he's like, he's like shouting out the window, he's like, you don't have to follow anybody. Yeah, you can think for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, it's like obviously, you know, anybody that's like been in that position or anybody that's just like kind of been around the block a little bit, eventually you realize, holy shit. The the person that I need to follow the most is the better version of myself that I know that I can be, you know, like the absolute best possible guru for yourself is yourself making the decisions that you could admire and admire is like this huge word that I've been going over recently. Like I admire the people that I admire, uh, you know, can tell me things about myself, but the person, but if I think about any situation, any given situation And like the thing that I want to do, it's always like, what would be the act that I would admire? Like, how could I, what would I do in this situation and admire myself at the end of the day? You know what I mean? And usually that's something that you can give yourself. You don't have to like reach for somebody else for that, but we're social creatures. So I understand the need to, especially in young people, to need to like, you know, find that person and follow that person. You know what I mean? I, I get it. I did it too. You know, I read a bunch of like, you know, Terrence McKenna, Ram Dass, you name it, all those like, those yeah. guys that you would feature in trance music. Like, I'd listen, I listen, I, in fact, that was my thing. Like, I, I, I had drawn less musical influence from music and more musical influence from like words. Uh, but I realized that all those, I mean, if you look into any of these people's stories, they're all flawed. They mm-hmm. all did dumb, horrible stuff. Some of them even did stuff that are cancel-worthy, you know, like like Osho, great example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that here's the thing that people can't swallow about that guy. He said some great stuff. Yeah. And what's hard about that is that, like, you know, we want to say, well... Because he did X, he can't have said Y. I'm sorry, but the worst people in the world can say some of the best things, and the best people in the world can do some of the worst things. And so at the end of the day, who's the who's the person you should follow? Yourself, you know? Yeah. A, a, a version of yourself that you would admire. Sorry, I'm Italian. I tend to and talk a lot. I think that's really,
0: <laughs> that's great. That's, that's, yeah, that's, I think, really hitting the nail on the head. And I think that that's like the thing is like, when we're admiring somebody else, we're really admiring qualities that we wish that we had ourselves. So it's like, I I would encourage people like, yeah, go admire people, go be inspired. And, you know, like also learn people's stories, but then also like unplug and then cultivate those same situations within yourself because they're already present. And that's why you're like resonating with them. It's kinda the same thing with like the music that already exists within you. It's like, those qualities are within you. The fact that you can recognize it in somebody else be like that's a good thing that means that it's a seed that's just like waiting to be watered but we just spend so much time like outsourcing it you know and um yeah and it it creates really sticky situations especially in art you know and I think that that's really where a lot of people go is um they'll look either to celebrities politicians or artists you know because those are the ones that are on the altar of our you know our tv you know I think like altering is like a thing that we are innately always doing. We're always kind of creating a hierarchy of value, and whatever's at the top of that, we try to emulate. Right. Well, um, I mean, this kind of ties into like the cultural heritage of America and the fact that everybody gave up their culture to be American. Like the melting pot stripped us of our rich lineages. So now we're just kind of like <laughs> raw and just kind of like we don't really have this value system anymore. So, like, what's on the altar? Oh, it's the TV, it's music, the radio. though. That's well, what we have though. What? Like
1: I remember listening to the the Rogan and um uh Cornell West interview and he was like talking about yo what America has that no other country has is the richest most incredible music history. Like think about this. Yeah. I mean it's crazy. Like the 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 jazz music that 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 came out of Some of the hardest things that humans have ever had to undergo, you know, like our musical history. Now, now it's it's interesting because as white people, we experience the world in a very strange way. But we also, you know, watching Black America like create this entirely new genre of music and and multiple new genres of music and consistently do Mm -hmm. that decade over decade has been really interesting to observe and has been such a blessing because it's given America its own identity. And so what we can do and and, and, and what's been amazing is that those traditions and those changes in music that have occurred have given everybody a, a gift. And now you see like all these artists come up from America, white black doesn't matter at this point like you see all this incredible music come out and so when people say, you know, what do we do? We're Americans like we're just like, you know, we have nothing. You know what I mean? We that's yeah, we, that like our heritage is the music. And like our heritage yeah. is the arts in general. Our heritage is acting. Our heritage is like there's so much art and expression because of I mean, one reason that likely, I mean, one of the <laughs> main reasons that it was us is because of the concentration of wealth but you could also look at it in that there was just a concentration of culture smashing together from every possible angle and spitting out these new novel things. And uh, I I did think, though, I thought I wanted to quote a friend of mine, um, Randall Roberts, uh artist, for those who aren't familiar, I guess like back in the day, he told me he made this meme where it was always these, <laughs> these like people like standing on the street and they're all like kind of standing together and they're all just like looking at each other and underneath of it said, people, we're just not that great. And like, <laughs> I've always really, I, that just makes me laugh really hard, but it always makes me like remember that, you know, we were talking about like elevating people to like, you know, worthy of follow status. Um, I think the danger of doing that, heroes, in general is that we don't look at how not great we are and that we don't look at mm-hmm. how human beings for the most part don't make good decisions we don't we 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 are impulsive you know we have all these things to upgrade and some of the you know the the tibetan monks realize this you know what i mean and you you watch this rigorous disciplined behavior trying to level up and adjust this monkey mind right and like so, you know, when we I think what happens when we elevate someone to hero status is we say it's going to be all right because that guy exists. It's going to be all right because that woman exists. It's going to be all right because they exist because this exists. No, it's not. What's going to make things all right is is us leveling up, each individually understanding that it's <laughs> that it's it, it's interpretive. What ends up happening is due to people understanding that our tendencies and human nature are things to overcome and things to train out and things to be disciplined around and things to be like, you know, this is like, this is a giant challenge. And it's a really like huge cop out as far as I'm concerned to say that because this guy won the election or because this person like, n- no, like you know what I mean? Like we are in a convergence of like alarming crises from every angle and instead of being worried about this stuff, and instead of being like f- afraid, like it, all we're asked to do is just to like stand and be an admirable, admirable person, as compared to where where we were yesterday or the day before that. That's all, you know. And if we could, if we could all just like get through our heads that we're not that great, and that we're not really that awesome, and that we could be a lot more awesome uh then I think we're gonna do a lot better than just that next you know that next four year election like or that next, you know, musician even, you know, like it just it's it's so much more important for us to focus less on celebrities and stop raising people to these ridiculous levels only to find out that they're human beings. Bass nectar guess what? I was you know, gonna bring like, him up. <laughs> just guess what? The guy made some yeah. uh, guess what he still made he made amazing beats. I don't care what you say. I don't, I didn't, I don't like play, I didn't play the music at my house, but because he was, was like horribly rapey and horribly like, you know, grooming women, like the dude was human and eventually thought of himself as likely above needing to be an admirable person. You know what I mean? And like, that's the trap we can all fall into. Uh, Another nugget from that Cornell West interview is he was like, I got a gangster in my head and I have to. I have to deal with that gangster on a daily basis. There's a a part of me that's gangster, and I want to do things that I feel this urge to do things that I don't resonate with. But I can't do that. I have to keep that gangster in check. You know what I mean? Same thing with you, same thing with me. Same thing with, you know, likely the person we based the Christ story on. You know what I mean? Like, likely anybody and everybody that has ever walked the earth is, like, got some horrible ideas, And the difference is made when, at the end of the day, they do the behavior that allows them to admire themselves. And I don't don't hit that mark even close to as much as I want to. And that's the work, you know? Like, that's the work. There's no hope outside of that as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, and I think a big part of that is, like, everyone kind of has the band-aid where they don't look at that like the fact that you just so openly acknowledge like i do things i don't admire most people like once you take off that band-aid it's not that hard to keep kind of cultivating that sense of like clarity around the things you don't enjoy about yourself but like that that there's like a thin veil of personality that you really need to like pierce through where it's like, okay, I can be a monster as well. Like once you pierce that veil, then you can start doing the work. But so many people invest so much psychic energy against protecting that because they have the idea that like, I'm the good guy and, like, that's their entire orientation throughout all of life. And if you open up to the fact that, like, you can also make mistakes, it, it, it just – the house of cards comes collapsing in and it just kind of, like, leads to all these other, like, schisms and personality where it's, like, unless you're really ready and capable to do that work, it, it could be really – does it, you know, it could be really yeah. painful, you know? And unless you have, like, a framework to actually incorporate that, you know, unless you've done the proper foundation laying, you know, I can – I, I understand why people don't want to take that work on because it's kind of comfortable to not. And I, I honestly think uh, my, I think like the long game of doing that work is seeing like the pain of the planet mm. as well. I think that it kind of comes hand in hand when you start doing deep investigative work into how you interface with reality. Like you do start to kind of see the interconnection, and then like to feel that pain is another pain that is like really hard to. Try incorporate and integrate and find balance within. Because if you look out at the world, things are in a bad shape, you know, and that can really capsize what you have going on, you know. So we have these forces of trying to like reconcile our own demons, but also the collective demons, and yeah, it's it's a huge, huge thing. So it is a lot easier to just like, you know, I I even felt that when I was younger. Like, yeah, things are bad, but you know what, we got base nectar, you know, like we always have these events where we can all get together. (laughs) And then, when someone like Bass Nectar gets, uh, you know, canceled or whatever, everybody has this just devastated kind of worldview, and you know, it's it, it's a sticky situation. And w- what do you think is a good way to even start that process? Like, how do you? Are there? There's like nobody who can like really help you with it, right? Outside of art, kind of. I don't know.
1: I do, I truly believe that that it's possible to live long enough that you will notice. Every single hero has a dark side. I think you'll know I think it's possible to live long enough to be disillusioned by literally everything. And that's not where the story stops though. That's only that's a really in and that's just the first page, you know? Like the first page of 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 the book is establishing like the first page of any book is is usually or at least the first like section of a book is establishing the problem, you know? establishing the the storyline. And the storyline begins with this, like, you know, this, like, uh, you get the, you're the protagonist, right? And you have a, a series of good luck and a series of good things that occur. And like, you have a series of decisions you're proud of. And then all of a sudden you're presented with a shit situation that you can't win, regardless of what choice you make. And then you realize that, oh, that's the, that's the meat of life, that, that it's not so simple. And black and white that something's gonna come along and like rescue all of us you know what I mean like that we have to rescue ourselves and the funny thing is is that's really what Christ was saying you know what I mean like if you really read what the guy was saying you know he's saying like yo like if you do what I do if you if you behave impeccably then things are gonna work out if you don't behave impeccably Then some shit's gonna go down, you know. I truly think that what he was saying with like the whole lake of fire thing was like exactly what happens when humans can't figure shit out. We end up blowing each other up and rendering the world into this like hell. You know what I mean? Like I think that's what the guy was saying. I think that like you know our interpretations are just so unbelievably hilarious. If you actually like read the shit and then you like see what people say about it, you're like, wait, what? Like, how could you read this and think that? Or how could you read, for example, the Old Testament and think it has literally dick-all anything to do with the New Testament? I don't understand how this could be so ridiculous, but all these people, like Christ and, you know, Buddha and everybody else, all all these people, if you read, like, their words, are basically all saying, you know, yo, like, this isn't an external thing. You're not looking for, you know, nothing is going to save you except for you, nothing, nothing, literally nothing is going to, 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 to liberate you from this plane, if you aren't a part of it, if is, if it, if it isn't you doing some fucking serious work, that's hard, you know, nothing else is gonna, is gonna do that, and so, like, I guess it's always felt when someone tries to talk about me, like, doing something, like, yeah, oh, of this music is it's amazing. Like you know, like you you did this. It's like oh man, like uh, you don't see the you don't see the darkness here. All you see is this. Like yeah. you don't see what what it's like to be me. You, you, what what you see is is your is this image of of potentially a moment of perfection, and that's a beautiful thing. And like hold on to that and like have a happy memory of that. But just don't forget that this doesn't liberate anybody or anything from the work. And, and the work can be fun. This doesn't have to be like a sad thing. Like I, Mm -hmm. I think that it may sound like this is like some kind of like, like this is sad, but it's not sad. It's, it's, uh, it's like paying attention to like David Attenborough's like beautiful documentary he put out recently where he's, he, they got him in like a, it was like a 14 millimeter camera, like super, he's like in your face and he's like old and he's crying. I don't know. I don't know anybody. Like, did you watch that? It's I insane. That he's intense. like, he's just like, you know, it's his, like, it's like his final bid, this documentary. I wish I could remember what it's called, but he's like the first thing you see is him walking around Chernobyl. You know what I mean? And he's like showing like how life is like coming back, you know, in this like mm. place that's super irradiated. And there's like wolves and deer and like all these different, like all this wildlife. And you're like, wait, what? And he's just talking about like how close we are to destruction and yet how close we are to a thriving planet and like you know he doesn't he's not sitting there being like hey this is my last documentary likely he's not sitting there being like i want this to be like you know check me out you know instead he's telling his life story yes but he's telling his life story saying like yo i literally my entire life my legacy my life has watched these huge swaths of beautiful land get reduced, 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 reduced to to pretty much, you know, only three percent of the world remains as actual wilderness. You know what I mean? Like that kind of those kinds of facts, I think what we do is we say, that's too painful. I literally cannot think about that. I I legit have to do something else now. Because that idea that humans have reduced the entire planet to only three percent wilderness is too hard to swallow. You know what I mean? But it's the truth. So like What we can do is have fun in how we're going to address it, you know, have fun in enjoying the act of everything from resisting the idiots that like are making decisions at the top level to, uh, you know, actually looking at our own plot of land, the the tiny little bit that you get to call yours and some way, in some way, trying to address the issue in whatever way you see fit that would allow you to wake up the next day and feel good about yourself. Like, that's all we have to do. This this doesn't have to be difficult or hard. Like, it's just being an admirable person to yourself. With no one else's standards involved, what are your personal standards for an admirable version of yourself? That's literally all that matters. Imagine what difference it would make if everybody just did that tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, stood in impeccability for just one day. Do it better than they did yesterday. I mean, everything would change. I think anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, like, I I made the analogy to like a band aid, and I really think that like once you get air on that wound, and once you're able to like see it, you really start to see like like what you're saying is like joy is an inextricable part of this process, and it's like an opening to all of life. Like if you're not able to open up to that hurt, then you're really not able to fully feel the full breadth of like what it means to be alive, which is really the essential essence of why we're here is to feel alive. And there is something about that experience that is beckoning us forward, you know, like we're all being called to step into that most admirable version of ourselves. And, you know, everybody's like journey is going to be a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, hurting is going to be a part of it. But so is laughter <laughs> and love and joy and like creative projects. And, you know, it, it really is saying yes to like all of life, you know, but you have to be able to hold the paradox of like yeah, this is, I'm going to be bleeding, but, you know, I'm also going to be on this beautiful mountain vista, and, you know, we have to be able to, like, hold that paradox, and um, yeah, I really think art is kind of the space where a lot of people in this day and age are going to be able to actually engage with that work. I mean, that's it for me, you know. Um, it, it was really, you know, in the in the crowds, you know, at your shows, at other people's shows, where I was able to come home to myself and it wasn't anything you were doing specifically. It wasn't anything anybody else was doing specifically. But it was the choice that I made in that moment. And that we're all constantly being invited to make that choice. You know, But sometimes it's just like really easy to put it off. You have your societal values kind of keeping you locked into a very rigid view of life. And it's in those, those brief glimpses, that, that like gasp of fresh air that you have where it's like, I feel connected. This is alive in me. And it's like, you have that choice, you know? Like, do I go back to sleep or do I continue following this even if it means I'm gonna move beyond this scene, you know? And I almost think that that's like probably the best way to pay homage to the people that you admire is to take what they're imbuing their art with and then move forward and like take the, you know, receive the message and then to transform your life. And
1: take the reins and maybe like go from there. I like dream of a future where we, I, I think it's happening. Like music is becoming so devalued uh, in general, not, not in that we don't value it. But what I mean is that like, you know, it, I look at people starting, you know, to creative projects now and without the advent of some sort of like gimmick, if they're just making insanely good music, it's usually not enough. You know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah. that's, I think starting to tap into a really important realization that I think human culture in general needs to have and that's that performing and expressing should not be reserved for just musicians or for for artists or or even that there should be a line to say that I'm an artist and that you're not it's like that's ridiculous first of all and and I think that what we're starting to realize is that like expression is a is a you know is something that everyone should be participating in in some way and like it's really cool as far as I'm concerned that this music technology is has become what it's become because now anybody can get on a browser and like throw down a really fun like dj set you know what I mean using like that the beatport program that just came out or whatever like or they can you know spend a very small amount of time on youtube and make amazing music with any software that they want. And like, you know, I think that some people feel very threatened by this, this, uh, this raw, crazy future, but I just feel kind of like sort of encouraged by it because if I couldn't express myself, I'd probably go insane. Like if I couldn't, like, I don't know, like I, I need to be in that act. And I think that maybe we would be witnessing a more healed world if people could express themselves easier and so there's these like there's all these like rad tools that are out now that allow people to express themselves and it's becoming more and more of a oh oh you make beats (laughs) oh you play the i mean like before it was like oh you play the guitar like i've always been that guy i've always been like oh what's okay everyone plays guitar i happen to play guitar oh everyone makes beats now i happen to make beats and it's like i'm i'm down you know like cool I mean, maybe later in my life, I'll pick up something that I'm excruciatingly bad at, like painting, you know what I mean? And like, do it because it's just, it's just expression, right? It doesn't have to be this thing where like, oh, you shouldn't do this because it's not going to pay the bills or, oh, you shouldn't do this because X, Y, and Z is better than you. You know what I mean? That's not, that's literally not what it's about. You know, it's, it's your, it's your, 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 your soul purpose in some way to just express yourself, like, regardless of what that means, even if that's eloquence with words, or, you know, uh, anything. I mean, it's just like, when we get to the degree where we've commodified things to the point that like, no act is worth it, unless it's actually financially worth it, then that's a huge step in the wrong direction, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, it really is honestly exciting to see kind of the breakdown of like the capitalist influence on art making because that was something that, you know, um, I took your C to stage course uh, a couple of years ago, which was really incredible um, because I, I really wanted to like be a musician for the longest time. And I've always kind of struggled with the dynamic of like, how am I going to make money at this? And like, <laughs> that was always a key thread within my, even when I was sat down to make music, like it's not good enough because I can't make money off this or like this, that, or the other thing all having to do with money. And, you know, now that like that aspiration of mine, like I I went into body work and I have just so many other things that I'm like really actively pursuing. I enjoy music making so much more. <laughs> and I honestly think that the stuff that I make now is even better. And it's just like getting that completely off the table and just doing it for the sake of doing it is it's like it's medicine, mm. you know, it's like what really orients you like towards your North Star. It's like, oh, yeah, this is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know. And yeah, it just, we really, really got to get that that mindset out. And yeah, I think celebrity culture also kind of like wires us towards that too. Kind of going back on what we were saying, like someone inspires you. Like I want to be just like them because I want to inspire other people. You know, it's like a good hearted thing. But then like underneath that, there's kind of like the element of just kind of like, I want to be somebody who has an effect on somebody else. I want to be somebody, you know? And it's like, that's another thing. It's really similar to like the financial situation. It's like, get all that out of there. Just make, just make art. Just do it. And whatever effect it has, let it have it, you know? And I mean, for the show, like I I pay attention to the metrics, but it's more about just like consistently showing up and just like doing as best as I can in the moment. Then I let it go. And, you know, it's, it's kind of the same deal, Mm. you know?
1: Yeah, I think everyone's playing a numbers game. It's not just musicians. I think it's the numbers game has even been exacerbated by the social media thing. And, like, you know, uh, I see people validating their activity based on, like, how many likes or follows, you know, they get. It doesn't matter what you are. If you're, like, starting a donut shop, you know what I mean? Like, that's still your metric, you know? of course a being how much did we pull in this week but b a very close b is how many likes and follows and you know whatever else we got and that's such an empty road that legitimately leads to nowhere and it's so sad and so ridiculous but it's also like important because i think that humans are funny i think we we have to learn most of our uh, lessons the hard way. Like as a, like, I think individually people can learn their lessons, not the hard way, but as, as culture, culture always has to learn the hard way, which is why I think Terrence McKenna was saying the culture is not your friend. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's true that we like this whole environmental thing. We, we know somewhere deep down in our hearts that nothing's really going to change at all until some real shit shit happens. Like until some real sad stuff occurs we know that we know that we, we know what we need to do and we have a pretty good like roadmap. And I hope beyond hope that, you know, that's what ends up occurring that we can turn things around, but we know somewhere that, yeah, things got to get pretty bad before humans do stuff. And so I think that this whole, this mania with this phone thing, you know, I mean, we're going to learn how to design these systems the hard way. And, But the systems that we end up designing are going to be awesome. And I'm pretty stoked about that. And uh, so I think it's the same way with everything else. Like to try to differentiate a hero from a non-hero, an artist from a not-artist, you know, all these things we're going to realize eventually are really dumb. And that like, hey, we got the resources to just feed everybody and let them, you know, what was the Star Trek? What did did, uh, Jean-Luc Picard say to that captive in one of their movies? He was like... We left the concept of money behind for the pursuit of more cerebral things. I think is what he ended up saying. But I've always resonated uh, with that because in the Star Trek future, um, I'm I'm in, I'm into Star Trek, um, or at least I was earlier in my life. Uh, their future, basically, the only way forward was for them to eventually just leave the concept of currency and money behind, um, and we're in the middle of maybe the most currency-obsessed culture, like, of all time. Uh, we've always been obsessed with, like, wealth, but now we're obsessed with currency and wealth. We're obsessed with, like, the the trying to get ahead by, like, trading it and the trying to get ahead by, like, you know, all these other means. And I really think that—imagine what it would be like if all that noise was gone. Like, I always think about that. Like, mm-hmm. what would it be like to live in a UBI situation or to live in a— what would it be like to live in a—, a, a Uh, negative income tax situation or whatever whatever like you like in terms of like a financial system that actually has a human element to it like what would that be like and i i think that by and large if people had the time they'd realize that like creating art and spending time on their feeling better like wellness like all those things would be the main focus of human activity and of course discovery too discovery and science but i mean like you know, those those would be like the pillars of what holds us up. But what the pillar that literally holds up hu- all human activity is the uh, acclamation of security. You know what I mean? And and financial wealth. Like that's literally what we all spend all of our time doing. That's our main uh, motivator at this point. And like, yeah. I think that I mean, I, I think in our lives, I truly believe in our lives that there's going to be a real strong bid for that. And that'll be like, I mean, if you, if you want to see what's going to get old Anthony to stand on a building and wave a flag or whatever, that'll be it. It'll be like the, the, however, whatever person is pushing forward policies that allow for people to just be sane versions of themselves. That's what I'm all about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. Do you think that the like the crypto boom that's happening right now is going to help? Because it's like decentralizing currency, which I think is like probably the first step if you have this huge adhesion. It's to like kind of break it up and get it a little bit loose before it disperses. Well, let's talk about why people
1: are actu- actually interested in it. I think that you and me are interested in it for reasons that other people aren't. I think that it's possible that the people that are interested in it for its decentralization are vastly dwarfed by the people that are interested in it because they think they can buy it today and sell it tomorrow for more truly i mean like yet again you know you dig deep enough people were just not that great yeah you know yeah. and like but but we are getting better and so i think that getting better is decentralizing you know the banking system is behind everything they're behind all the like top level bullshit that's ever happened to humanity all the wars we all know this stuff so yeah getting the money away from them is an incredible thing to do and decentralization is is amazing in general but something also that's occurring like for example uh with the whole nft uh craze is that we're creating new markets and when you create a new market a brand new market and it doesn't take activity out of another market you're introducing the use of energy so like However, you want to, you know, people want to argue back and forth about like, you know, well, this is replaced. I mean, the, the truth is, is that like these new markets that are being created, all markets take energy to run. And so this brand new like market has got to be something we have to figure out how to navigate this with grace and the whole proof of work systems that are in place right now and the entry to get into these proof of work systems. uh Or to get into a proof-of-stake system, like for example, uh, for those of your listeners that don't know the difference, certain cryptocurrencies are like Cardano and some of the other ones are based on a proof-of-stake, meaning that there's a pot of U.S. dollars or currency in general that's been invested into the cryptocurrency, and what gives it value is this pot, is the best way that I can describe this. Uh, Also, human belief still is the number one reason why any of this shit matters at all, but this pot is why it has purchasing power as opposed to proof of work cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, meaning that like there has to be a mining process, which means there's a transaction that wants to happen. There's somebody's computer needs to be used to process that transaction and they get a bonus for doing that transaction. That's called mining, which is why you have these giant buildings full of computers that have like liquid cooling systems on it and a hundred million, you know, uh, video cards, all processing people's transactions. It's insanely power consumptive and, all these cryptocurrencies are promising to move over to, to proof of stake versions because they're a lot less um, energy intensive. But the trouble is, is that if I want to buy, for example, a cryptocurrency that's proof of stake, what do I have to do? I have to buy a cryptocurrency that's proof of work first in order to even get there. So, like you know, like oh, yeah. there's no way you can slice this in a way that like that that makes the market not a fresh new thing. It's not replacing anything until. See, if people des- desired having a Bitcoin Visa card, then I would say that this is different. But the reason people are stoked about the Bitcoin Visa card, why? Because they think it's going to make their Bitcoin worth more. You know what I mean? It's like, like, I, I, I we need to look at this, like, frankly, and we need to look at this, like, with open eyes. And what I see in this moment is that, I mean, I was really into trading the cryptocurrency back in 2017, and I did, I, I did really well actually. I, I, uh, and I had, and then I gave a lot of it back, <laughs> but like, I, you know, I did it and I enjoyed the process. It was something I could occupy my mind with at, 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 you know, while we were on tour, but, but the energy I spent on it. And then when I really look at it, the energy that was spent on it, like we got better things to do y'all. Like we got much better things to do. And if you really want to do something right by this, then buy the stuff and hold on to it. Don't buy it and like constantly trade it. Yeah. Buy the stuff and hold on to it because you believe in decentralization. Don't sit around here and like, you know, like get the get the greed bug and start to think that, you know, this is going to be the thing that creates your wealth. And I think it's amazing that some artists have, and young people have been able to disrupt the system and, you know, like move forward. But unless you take that money that you've earned or or not really earned or whatever unless you take that wealth and do something better with it you're no better than anyone else you're no better than these people that have created these systems that have oppressed you in the first place so like i need to i need to constantly look in the mirror and ask myself that same question because i've recently done really well and like i need to understand what that means and how can i you know what is being asked of me so that i can admire myself you know one one thing that that comes to mind is i like the idea of of buying land and turning it into uh, preserve land. I like the idea of conservation. I like the ideal of even, even if it's just agricultural, I like and anything that I can do to re- reduce, especially in our area, uh, another hotel from being built in Asheville, North Carolina would be incredible. You know what I mean? Like whatever I can do to do that. And so that's my version of what it means for me to do what's right with whatever wealth I accumulate. So you, I think each listener in, on this podcast and everybody in, in the future has to ask themselves that same question. Um, okay. So you made a lot of cash. You're going to go buy a Lambo. Is that really what, you know, is that really the, you know, what you think is going to allow you to admire yourself tomorrow? Probably not. What will allow you to admire yourself tomorrow is to micro invest in somebody's like gardening project or whatever the hell that means. I don't know what that means for you because I'm not you, you know, but like for me, Mm -hmm. I know that in order for me to even feel good about the fact that I've made a little money recently, I have to put it back into something that matters or else you know we're just going to be the next oppressive generation we're going to be the boomers you know and that's how i mean i hate to (laughs) it sounds so dark but that's that's just kind of how i feel about the whole cryptocurrency thing because i see a lot of people getting the like the green eyes you know what i mean and it's like yo yeah
0: there's yeah that's honestly that's a really um ripe warning too like we can become just like the generation that was before us if we don't actually
1: like i see no indication that we're not I see zero indication that we're not at this present moment. I only see that we are barely starting to scratch the surface of social justice. We're just starting to take the first steps, you know, and like, we got so much more work to do. And like, I get excited about this shit, man. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's like what I feel. I mean, I truly want to be proud of us. I want to be, I want to be proud of me, but I'm not yet. You know, I'm not proud of myself yet. I want to be,
0: yeah. Proud of us, but maybe not ourselves specifically. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think like we're we're really we've been perceiving like through a lens, like a psychology of finance and commerce and the idea of like class is it's like a fundamental lens. And I think it was uh, Robert Anton Wilson. Have you are you familiar with his work at all?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, In
0: Prometheus Rising, I think it was like one of the very first few circuits he talked about. Um, which uh, it's like the based on like timothy leary's um, seven circuit model of the brain essentially the the most fundamental one which is like your survival circuit uh, he talks about how like our culture has placed our survival into the idea of currency rather than like actual resources because currency is what gets you the resources what gets you shelter and food and water and um, like popularity and such so what ended up happening was he we've trained ourselves essentially to associate like I'm going to starve if I don't have money. So it's one of the most foundational filters that we're perceiving the world through. So right now, like, yeah, it kind of makes sense that that is kind of our God. That is what we're all building up for and what we're always focused on because it's our base survival. We're still operating from that, that kind of sense, you know? So yeah, it makes sense that it would kind of seep on into the, the crypto world as well. Um, yeah, I, I really hope that it does go differently. I was one of the people who, when I was watching the GameStop debacle go down, I mean, I was rooting the entire time, but <laughs> I wanted to get involved just to stick it to the man. Like, I was like, I don't care if I lose money. I just want to make sure that I'm a part of this momentous time in history where it was like, oh, things are actually shaking up a little bit and it ended up not really going anywhere. But, you know, it was it was still nice to be able to kind of like look at this entire system and like, Yeah. I'll, 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 waste $300 just to <laughs> jump on board and try and tip the iceberg a little bit. Um, but yeah, you can't really expect that to be, um, uh, one of the major intentions that a lot of people are, you know, operating from, you know, there is still the self-preservation. There's still the identity wrapped up in, I got money. I don't got money. I'm going to die. I'm out of the tribe. Like we're still operating at that level. Like we're still f- at the fundamental stage. <laughs> You know? I think
1: it's difficult. I don't think it's a lot of people's fault yeah, either. Like mm. it would be really disingenuous to say that people that 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 the mindset of scarcity is necessarily their fault. Right. What is our fault though is to not is if we never examine it. You know what I mean? If we never mm-hmm. ask ourselves, okay, am I still worried about survival? You know what I mean? Like am I still if you're living check to check, how can you ever graduate from that? You know what I mean? Which is what yet again, why I'm so like into the idea of societal wealth sharing, you know what I mean? Whatever that looks like. I don't care what Mm -hmm. it looks like. I mean, well I do, I mean, whatever system actually works, but like, uh, that's what I mean. Like it's really easy for me to, you know, to say over here, I'm, I'm finally for the first time in my entire artist career, not worried about how I'm going to pay the bills. And if you would have asked me, you know, 10 years ago when I'm sleeping on the floor because we can't afford a hotel, you know, that, that night on tour, uh, you know, how would you like to, you know, like not feel that way anymore? I would have been very excited and very motivated by that to the degree that I may have even done things outside of, uh, what I would admire about myself. You know what I mean? So it's from a point of privilege that I'm even able to speak on this, Which is why I think that if our generation wants to do it better and if we don't want to become the boomers, we have to support the people in power that are trying to put forth the ideas that allow the society to share a pool of wealth um, and to distribute wealth in a way that helps everybody. I think that also what we think that looks like is not what's happening. Like I don't think that, for example, the extreme left has... A grip on you know what's safe in the long run because the people that are running things now don't live forever you know what i mean like for example the there's a lot of people that you know really felt strongly about bernie sanders and his campaign i did too and i would have voted for him but the problem is is that he's not going to live forever and whoever comes into power after that when the government has control over producing you know healthcare plans for people what happens then, you know what I mean? And so like, what we need to do is think about solutions that will continue to support people. We need to care really about people. We really need to, and we also, if we're gonna go around this act of commodifying, literally fucking everything, especially with, you know, this, this, uh, this LaCroix can, I could legit, like put this in a garage somewhere. This is so mind blowing. I could put this in a garage somewhere, take a picture of it, ascribe an NFT to that picture, when you buy the NFT, you could get a code that tells you how to open the garage and then you could receive the can. And so what I've basically done is I've put a, Mm. basically a VIN number on this can. If we're gonna commodify legitimately everything and just digital pixels that are kilobytes big, if we're gonna do that, how can we not then ascribe value to human life? Like human life at this moment, you don't have any value unless you produce something, you're, 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 you're the shit under somebody's shoe. And like that whole like mindset is legitimately the main issue because if people were valued and they weren't struggling, what would we pay attention to? Oh shit. The environment's falling apart. The, you know, oh shit. Like all of a sudden we get liberated from this, like, you know, tunnel vision of like, I have to pay this bill. You know, if there's value to just you existing, guess what? It's your value and you should own it, you know? And the same way with social media. If they're going to take all your data and take everything that you, that all your all your personal stuff and then uh, advertise to your attention and then use your data to sell, you should get a cut of that. That should be your money. You know what I mean? That's your value. And so we've des- we've designed these systems to legitimately extract as much value from a person as possible. When really, we're probably the highest value things that we have. We just don't look at the world the right way. You know, a human being, mm is so valuable, you know what I mean? I mean, anybody that's ever witnessed a, a little child or a little baby knows that, you know what I mean? Like, they know that innately, but we have curiously designed the system to do precisely the opposite of what truly is. And so, like, whatever it takes, as, as far as I'm concerned, like, you know, I was really into the... I mean, more than more than any other politician, I was really into the Yang thing, because he was... I was gonna bring it up, too. I was like, sounds like... Yeah, 100% Yang gang. But I mean, like, <laughs> uh, he's also... Really rich, and that's another thing that's interesting. It doesn't matter. The the, the hard part about all this is that, like, in order for me to pay attention to anybody, they have a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, and if you're a politician, you've went through like the, you know, you've you bought into a party. You know, you you have all this like nonsense. Like, all this money is coming out. All these special interests. Either that, or you have completely zero connection to what it's like to be an American because you have so much money that, you know, like like in Trump's case or, yeah. you know, people were talking about uh, Oprah running, right? None of these people have any idea yeah, what it's yeah. like to be you or me. And really Yang yeah. doesn't. I mean, like, he sort of does a little bit more than than Oprah, for example, or for Donald Trump, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it still doesn't know. He doesn't know. You know what I mean? Like, And so like, how can we inject the true feelings of, of each person into that process you know and i think it looks decentralized and so i'm pretty stoked about that like so again like going back to that like that's that's what i think people really need to focus on with all this stuff like because we could set up a i don't know if blockchain is necessarily the vehicle but something that looks sort of like that a decentralized system that allows every single voice to be heard you know like so that you know, you could vote in a non swing state and it still fucking matter. Cause like right now in America, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you don't, if you're not in a swing state, you vote it doesn't matter. Sorry. That's the truth. I don't, I mean, okay. If every single person in, in like a non swing state didn't vote and one person did, it would matter. But the truth is the real truth that we don't want to talk about. Cause it's like sad and scary is that, yo, you're not in a swing state. You vote. Sorry. You're in California. You, you, you vote mm-hmm. red. It doesn't matter. does not matter. You know, mm-hmm. like it's just, it's just the way that it is. And so how can we change that? That's what we should be concerned with. And that's what we should be spending our money on. That's what we should be spending. Like if, if, if our generation gets any wealth at all, you know, as we inherit it from the boomers, from our, from our you know, our, our, our recent ancestors, <laughs> we got to invest it in things that matter, you know? So I hope that's the future that people are looking toward. And I hope that I can hold myself to that standard and I can look in the mirror and be like, okay, good. At least you did that. You know, that's all we can ask for.
0: I think it's important that the people who actually do have some uh, modicum of platform are actually having these conversations. That's a big reason why I wanted to reach out to you is because you have been so vocal the entire career that I've been plugged into you guys. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a really hard, uh, hard journey because I really feel like a lot of the folks who have the good intentions don't have the... As you call them, the near ancestors who actually have enough wealth. To, like so much of the wealth is already coagulated at the very <laughs> tip top of the human body that it. it uh, I don't even know. Like I almost wonder if like the real change is even gonna come through the same structures that kind of created the inequalities. I don't want to sound like super rebellious or you know uh, too pie in the sky, but I just. I almost don't even have any faith in like it coming from a top-down perspective i feel like the decentralization not only needs to happen financially but also like the sovereignty of your being, you know, you have to become decentralized from as many of these systems that seek to oppress you as possible. And it sounds kind of like hippie, like, yeah, we just got to be like anarchists grow our own food, but like (laughs) whatever small steps that each of us can take, like we don't all have to do it perfectly, but we can do it. If you do it 10% more than your parents did. And then everybody in your community is in different ways. I, I think that that would offset and really, um, upset the the markets in a way that like maybe the market will respond in a healthy way i just something that kind of is coming through for me is like the idea that like we we're talking about like decentralizing and like how a lot of people are still focusing on like accruing wealth like what if that process of decentralization is something that's happening regardless and like it doesn't really like matter how we respond to it because it's like a, a motion of nature like nature is seeking to course correct itself and it's going to end up happening and it might be because we have something that's so traumatic that we have to respond in a more ethical way but like do you think that like this is a process that is always going to be happening and we're just like martin luther king said about um like the course of history is like a long arc towards justice and like it, it's an inevitability. So almost feel like in operating out of any headspace where it's not an inevitability is kind of like fatalistic a little bit. Like you have to still be empowered, but you know, like we have to like kind of trust that like something's steering the ship that, you know, I, I agree I with know. him. I, I mean, know, if you zoom the... out
1: far enough, let's, let's, let's take this in a, in a, in a positive direction. If you zoom out far enough and you look at the, the grand totality of, of the course of human development and culture and uh, society. We have an astoundingly lower amount of violence than we had in the past. We have uh, an astounding amount of egalitarianism versus the past. Do we have the level of egalitarianism that we deserve? No. But we, you know, we have made incredible strides. If you zoom out far enough, I think it's really easy to get like, you know, what happened this week, you know, and like, of course, that's where all the action is. And like, what's occurring right now is where all the action is. But if you zoom out far enough, things look pretty good. And yeah, I I think what's happening right now is that things are looking pretty good for all people instead of just us white guys, you know, and like, that is a step in the right direction. And I think that like, you know, um, the fact that everyone's voice is being given platforms, the fact that women, for example, are, you know, like, I think that AOC has a really good shot at actual power. I think that, uh, Kamala Harris, the fact that she's there is, is huge. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like really think she's got my best interest in mind, but it, at least these are, these are the steps. Like if you can zoom out, man, like far enough, nothing really looks bleak other than some of the, you know, I think that also things look clear when you zoom out, you know, if you could zoom out and look at earth, for example, and fly over it, you know, there's that effect that, that happens to astronauts where they realize that everything they ever cared about, every motivation, every reason they cried, every reason that they, they exultedly shouted out and joy is all encapsulated in this tiny little blue floating thing, you know, this giant plant pretty much floating in space. Like, I think that they, they're, they're forever changed and they all say it. Like, if you ever want to go down a pretty cool Google search, you can, you can, uh, listen to what astronauts have to say about the planet after they come back from just an orbit. And, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, SpaceX, but the fact that they're about to roll out their, their, their orbit trip with their starship that they built, I think, is gonna do just as much good as it's gonna do bad. I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's just gonna burn fuel. Yeah, yeah, it will. But I think it'll also change people's <laughs> minds. You know, like I think we need to see a zoomed out view, uh, and we need to give ourselves a pat on the back in some ways because we really have come a long way. And I think what we really need to do is focus on the lives of the people that made those changes and what was it like to be them and how can we, how can we, you know, elevate those people to hero status and. Also emulate their behavior uh you know it that is the big that's the big like important like activity of of humanity and I really don't think that things look so bad if you can zoom out far enough, especially on a social level now I think that you know environmentally we have we have a big lesson coming i think that you know uh that is okay though you know it's it's like if you can zoom out far enough, we're not the only, probably not the only planet by any stretch of the imagination that's dealt with this issue. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. uh, I read a interesting trilogy. starting with that book, the three body problem by Cixin Liu. Lao, mm. uh, butchered his name. It's, it's in Mandarin. So I don't even know how to say it, but, uh, it's pretty interesting talking about the dark forest problem, which is essentially if there's a complete alien hunter in the woods, or a civilization, and you're a civilization, the inevitable clash of those two alien civilizations is a clash, a violent clash. There's no really, like, logical way around this problem. Um, You should read the book, because there's actually a really interesting way that it all goes down, but, like, uh, there's three books. But, um, man, like, that's sort of us, but we're each nation is sort of, like, you know in a dark forest. And we're trying to figure out how to come together. And I think that if we can bring up the people that can uplift the the ideas and strategies that allow us to integrate with each other in meaningful and like peaceful and constructive ways, then that's the future that we keep seeing painters paint. Like, you know, the there's like, the, like the biodomes and the solar panels everywhere and like the, all that. I mean, mm. that's only one version of a future that makes sense, but like, you know, you've talked about like gardening in your, in your own, in your own space and like all that. These are the incremental changes that v- look really small right now, but you know, you build these up and the future looks completely different. It looks completely different because if you can zoom out far enough, I mean, I don't know. I hope to talk to you, uh, in 30 years, you know what I mean. So we can actually like look back on this yeah, and be like, yeah. "Yo, that was it." You know what I mean? Like, check it out. Now, now I see, yeah, uh, what I was talking right. about. Hopefully, it won't be in like a post-apocalyptic. Hey,
0: so we got. But even if it is wrong,
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. But even if it is, that's how we do it. I mean, what would be a bigger motivator for environmental like like policy change? Than a, a, a dusty desert planet, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that I I don't want that future. I don't want to invite that future, even. But that's humanity for you. We're not that great, and we learn the hard way. So, like, hopefully, that hard way, you know, there's a, there's an increasing staircase of terrible hard ways we could learn. Hopefully, the first mm-hmm. step is is when we learn it, not the fifteenth or the the thirtieth. Which you know, if you step off that one, you just plummet into you know, nothingness, like, hopefully we learn that and we can zoom out and look at what we are, you know, like we literally look like yeah. we're eating the earth. Like if you zoom out far enough and you, you look at earth, like it's hilarious, especially at night, It like, there's le- legitimate, like radioactive, like centers of activity. Right. You know what I mean? And they're just like that, that like consume land. And I heard some crazy statistic recently that there's more mass on the crust of the earth created by that like, like made items by humans than there are mass on the crust of the earth made by the earth, Whoa. which is like, what? <laughs> what? I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know if that's exactly accurate. I don't know, if it, but I heard some crazy statistics, something like that, but that's the level that we're at right now. So when people call into question, you know, our activities, uh, and they get instantly shut down by like, well, you're standing in the way of business. Yo, man, like, okay, boomer, like, I'm sorry, but like you, you legit have lost it. You've, you, you legit have no foot to stand on anymore. And what's encouraging is that you've got an entire generation, uh, of people coming up that don't buy it anymore. And it's, it's huge and there's really no stopping it. It's only a matter of time at this point. So what we need to do is is train ourselves not to chase the wealth and (laughs) buy the cryptocurrency and hold on to it. And, you know, like like, really put our money where our mouth is, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, in uh, Tibetan Buddhism, there's this concept that uh, wisdom is made of the same material as your confusion. Whoa. And I think that we could really be applying this to like if we do end up having like climate catastrophe, it could also within it show us exactly how we are connected to the planet, and it might be. And I mean, people don't pay attention to their health until something bad happens. Yeah. But then they get this renewed sense of like vigor, like oh my god, I'm alive. This appreciation, and you know, I, I hope it's not that case. I hope we can do something before, but it, it kind of looks like that's probably what we're gonna end up doing. But yeah, like I, I mean, that's the confusion of the the planet not understanding how it all interacts like we're like little babies still just like <laughs> little like sensory organs of the planet just like what is all this <laughs> until we realize like oh we should have been taking care the entire time
1: mm-hmm.
0: so all right anthony we have been going for a bit now so i want to let you uh have the rest of your night to yourself thank you so much for joining me this has been uh, a treat
1: yeah it's real good to catch up with you i've been wondering what you've been up to since the, the school and everything. Yeah.
0: Bodywork, podcasting, and yeah.
1: Nice. Doing all that. That's great.
0: Awesome. Well, I hope you have a great night. Uh, thank you again for your time. I know that you have another, you have like a lot of interviews coming up. Like You just did uh, Ragu's show, uh, Mind Rolling, um, and I know you're doing something with uh, a mutual friend of ours for the Love Server Member Foundation, I believe, mm-hmm. the music series. Yeah
1: yeah they're 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 sort of one in the same entity um it's great they really gave us something to do during all this yeah you know what I mean we really didn't know what to do and then we're like hey we noticed you like made music around Ramda a Ramda sample like are you interested in doing that more of that and we're like yeah <laughs> we can't drive anywhere so we're play yeah. any shows so yeah sure we're 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 about it is this the second yeah. time you guys have
0: done it right you guys have done like the improv set with we did ronda. an
1: improv set now they wanted they wanted us to make like something uh of a, of like a, a of an improv record so that was like a stream Whoa. this is more like a, they want us to do like another improv but this time like record it and you know like just make a bigger stink out of it and they have me doing an earth Cry improvised thing i chose a very poignant um, 30 minute speech that I want to just kind of, <laughs> it's hilarious. I got like uh, Ram Ramdas running through a little modular system and I'm just like twisting like up his voice and laying guitar layers and weird synth things over it. And I've, I've only like gave, given it maybe like a one or two goes thus far, but it's like really fun. Um, yeah. And it's like, you got to like strike that balance between like, you know, making sure his, his words are intelligible. But also, like, listening to what he's saying and trying to, like, accent certain things and, like, repeat certain words and, like, you know, granular stretch some, like, hilarious, you know, cool thing they've said. And the funny thing is that if if you listen enough to the guy, you'd know that he'd be delighted, you know, to hear something like that. He'd yeah, be super delighted sure. um, as opposed to, like, offended. You know what I mean? Like, he would be, like, he yeah. he's constantly... my legacy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I don't know. It's It's been really fun. It's been fun. It's just a new challenge. Like, I mean, any more, like, you know... Hey, write me a song, you know, like, okay. But like, I, I enjoy like, write me a song plus these parameters. Like this, that's been something that as an artist, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. So, yeah.
0: It's also got to be kind of an honor to be able to like have the okay from the official foundation, you know, to like, yeah, like work with Ram Dass's words. And do you feel like a sense of like, is it kind of like an auspicious space when you're kind of like working with his words or do you kind of like stop oh, well, a little bit and the
1: people are all really amazing. If they were, I was, to be honest, I was a little skeptical at first. I didn't know, like, who they were, and I didn't know, like, the guy, like, passed away. I was like, what is this? Like, some sort of, like, you know, like, using his words as a cash grab. Then I got to know the people, and I got to see what they do, and I was like, whoa, this is dialed in. This is, like, serious. These people are, like, all about, you know, really preserving the integrity and the trajectory of of a human being that really was as human as possible you know and was like really just like mm. like you know I was like talking about like how, how like yeah Ramdas and the Maharishi and like all these like people in that in India like are really responsible for a lot of culture but but they were they're they're all pre-culture they were just speaking to what a lot of people resonate with and so yeah i'm glad that the foundation exists i'm glad that they like i'm glad they're doing work that's really rad and really relevant. Um, it's cool. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I, I really don't have anything bad to say about them once I got like to know who, the, who they were and what, what they were actually trying to do and the, how they spend their time and how they represent, you know, a really important speaker in, in, in our time. Um, I hope that this is a, a trend that catches on like people that say wonderful words that pass on, um, that there's a way Upon which their integrity can remain, you know, like important. Um, and I mean, for example, they're reaching out to to musicians like us, being like, "Hey, we we how can we keep the work is to keep this relevant? How can we do that? Well, let's reach out to rad artists like Random Rab, Rising Appalachia. Uh, you know, how can we how can we keep this relevant? Well, we give it to to artists and let them make art around it. Like that is maybe one of the best ideas that they've had thus far because of Ram Dass' storied tradition in recording his voice in lectures. Like, thanks to that, we have access to that timeless. It's just timeless. Like, what the guy was talking about was totally timeless. You you could play this 50,000 years ago or 50,000 years from now, and it would still matter. It would still be stuff that's actually worth it because people are, guess what? People are still going to be dealing with issues of the heart issues of ego, mainly issues of like, you know, just the human condition, these are always going to be relevant talks. And so, you know, I'm glad that this foundation exists and I hope it exists as long as it can, you know,
0: I'm really glad to hear. It's not like a weekend at Bernie's kind of thing where they're like (laughs) propping him up and like, you know, there, I, I trust I, I've been in, uh, I, I've been paying attention to Raghu's content for a while and I know he's got nothing but love. And if he's at the helm, then, you know, I trust that everything they have is super on point. Also, totally. I don't know if you've heard of, have you heard of East Forest?
1: Yeah. 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 His Ram Dass yeah, his stuff album great. was
0: amazing. He actually got yeah. to sit down and like have a conversation with them and, you know, like post-stroke, you know, his communication wasn't as strong. So by putting it to music, it actually like gave us such a amazing context that you could like really absorb and sit with what was going on. And yeah, that's more for the listeners if you've already heard like that the Ramdas album on point. Nice. Awesome. All right, Anthony. Well, yeah, that's it. Uh please be well. Uh like I said, uh happy belated birthday. Thank you. I hope you enjoy the anniversary shows that are coming up. Um Yeah. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Okay all right my friends that was the episode thank you so much for listening all the way through till the end i really do make this show for you it's your energetic support that keeps me going uh yeah that was anthony we talked about quite a bit from 15 years of docio to idea of potentially killing your idea of having heroes and making yourself your own hero was a pretty potent part of this for me you know as someone who grew up and had a lot of heroes looked up to a lot of people and you know was inspired and have actually been stepping into that space myself these past couple of years of really becoming the person that i admire it was really cool to hear that uh kind of reflected back to me so yeah if you want to stay in touch with anthony's platform and all the new stuff he does head on over to seed to stage over on youtube facebook i think he's on the instagram twitter all that stuff Um, yeah, follow uh Papadosio, give him a listen. Uh, the track that you're hearing right now is actually from his solo project Earthcry. This is off of his Identity Mitosis concept album. This is Superiority Simplex. Um, that is a really cool project on YouTube. It's got a video aspect and it tells this really grand story of an AI waking up thousands of years after humans have left the planet. It's really unique and really cool really exemplifies a lot of what anthony is passionate about that you got to hear a little bit about here but uh yeah like i said uh tune into here. they're on spotify they're on everywhere they're fairly large at this point they got some shows coming up um yeah uh without taking up too much of your time i hope you all have a great rest of the week and we will catch you next week at wednesday 11 eastern standard time all right doodles.